0: years out of three, the passage we hear today is the gospel passage we heard yesterday. But because we heard it yesterday, we hear the continuation of that passage, which we call from Good Shepherd Sunday. Yesterday, though, Jesus never said, I am the good shepherd. You might not notice that. He said, I am the gate. He talked about the good shepherd. But it's today where he says, I am the good shepherd. Lots of echoes are in that, but the one passage in particular he's referring to is Ezekiel 34. So I thought I'd just read you a couple verses of that. "'For thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so will I tend my sheep. I will rescue them from every place where they were scattered when it was cloudy and dark.' I will lead them out from among the peoples and gather them from the foreign lands. I will bring them back to their own country and pasture them upon the mountains of Israel. In good pastures will I pasture them, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing ground. They shall lie down on good grazing ground, and in rich pastures they shall be pastured on the mountains of Israel. I myself will pasture my sheep, I myself will give them rest, says the Lord God. The lost I will seek out, the strayed I will bring back, the injured I will bind up, the sick I will heal, shepherding them rightly." Ezekiel, written about 650 years before the birth of Christ, while the people were in exile in Babylon. If I didn't tell you that, you probably thought that's what Jesus said in the 10th chapter of John. So listen, hear the parallels, And we're going to go off in a different direction that's tied with our first reading, a very important reading from the Acts of the Apostles. This is one of the two stories in the Acts of the Apostles that's repeated three times because it's so important about Peter's vision that tells him that the Gentiles are to be included in the new people of God, that this is no longer for Israel alone. The Paulist Seminary in Washington, D.C. is called St. Paul's College. It was built in 1913, and it has in the chapel, the original chapel, six stained glass windows that depict St. Paul, of course, and St. Peter across from him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And underneath each of those images is a quotation from the Bible in Latin, that we believe is written by each of those six men. We can argue about if Peter actually wrote the Peter stuff, but the other ones we were pretty sure about. And the quotation from John begins, et alias oves habeo. I know you studied Japanese, so that probably isn't much help. Anybody? Et alias oves habeo? Alias? Other? Oves? Sheep? It's from here. It's from this passage today. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. And I remember looking at that, and I took enough Latin that I knew it was something about sheep. Um, and I was like, wow, 1913. What an incredible quotation. How forward were the Paulists to talk about interreligious dialogue back then? Well, no. Most of us misinterpret this passage. That is not what Jesus is talking about when he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. There will be one flock. What he's talking about is that non-Israelites, non-Jews, will become part of the people of God. They are people from another fold, another race, another political entity, another religious background, becoming part of the flock. And what do you know? It's just a coincidence. But our story from Acts chapter 11 today, this thrice-repeated story about this vision of Peter saying that the Gentiles are equal members in The people of God. There were a lot of early Christians who thought it was just for Jews. And that's why this is repeated. And it's repeated and repeated. If you read chapters 10 and 11, you're like, come on, let's get on with the story. This was a big deal. It was really challenging. All of us in this room are Gentiles. How are we called in this day and age to unite Christ's flock? I have a great story for you that probably most Christians are not aware of. When Pope Benedict XVI came to visit the United States in 2008, one of the Paulists I lived with, Father Ron Robertson was in charge of the seating charts for the Pope's meetings with interfaith leaders and his separate meeting with ecumenical leaders. One was going to be in New York, one was going to be in Washington DC. Father Ron is on the secretariat at the US Conference of Catholic Bishops for ecumenical and interfaith relations. And the Mormons were very interested in coming to meet the Pope. The Church has taught all along that Mormons are not technically considered Christians, if we consider the fact that we define Christianity by a common baptism. The Mormon understanding of baptism is so different than ours because their understanding of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a very different concept. So, we had all been taught, and it was on the books of the Vatican. The Mormons, if they are coming to an event like this, should go to the interfaith meeting not the ecumenical, all-Christian meaning. But this was the first time the Mormons wanted to come. And the Mormons considered themselves to be Christians, even though they agreed that we didn't have a common baptism. And the decision was made that the Mormons would be invited to the ecumenical gathering. So for us today, if someone says that they are for Christ... Let us be careful before we treat them as if they were against.